Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today this podcast episode is sponsored by Big Rents. Big Rents is an online equipment rental company with the largest equipment supply network in the US with 4,000 rental partners and 10,000 locations. They simplify the procurement and logistics challenges of renting construction equipment and are leading the online equipment rental industry by providing a seamless experience for both customers and equipment suppliers. Find out how Big Rents can help increase the rental revenue and utilization today of your rental business. Today's guest is Stephen Brooks. Stephen works for a family-owned business out of Illinois called Great Lakes Lifting Solutions. And he caught my attention online because he was promoting this spider crane for rent. And I hadn't seen one before, so I was quite interested to learn a little bit more about his family business, how they got associated with the spider crane, and just to learn a little bit more about Stephen because he does come across as someone that is very passionate about the industry, and he could be one of those next generation people that really give back to the industry. So Stephen, thank you for coming on the podcast today. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry? It was 2009. I was um, at the time I was going to college to become a police officer. Actually, I was taking a uh, criminal justice courses at a community college. And my dad, he came back from a trip from Arizona and he told me that he found this new crane that uh, just came into the country that was called a spider crane. He, uh, my dad's owned a couple different businesses throughout his life. Uh, at the time, he owned a sign installation company and he fell in love with this spider crane that there was eight of them in the country i think at the time when he first first found him he uh he thought about it for a couple days i was still going to college next thing i know he told me that uh, he ordered four of these things and he was going to start to become a dealer for this new piece of equipment called a spider crane that nobody in america even knew what it was so um i cut fast forward uh, about two weeks later i realized that school really wasn't for me i'd much rather talk about equipment that i knew nothing about so I started to learn the construction industry and um, started to take my spider crane out behind a trailer and showing it off to people. And right at that time, if you remember, there was a movie come out, Transformers, uh, right around then. And when I was showing the spider crane off, it's 24 inches wide. So it goes right through the door of the house or front door of your office. But when it sets up, it takes about a 12 foot area. And everyone would kind of say, oh, that's a cool toy that you have. That's a neat uh, little gadget. You know, is that a transformer? And I was like, no, it's a, this is something that's going to change the industry. Uh, fast forward 10 years later, I think that those machines definitely have changed the industry some. So that's kind of, it was by chance that I kind of got into the, into the rental industry. Um, we had some of our cranes. We tried to sell them at first. Uh, 2008 was a huge economic downturn. So we had these new cranes that um, nobody wanted to buy. So we said, well, what if we start renting them? And uh, when we started renting them, uh, we had some instant success and then been able to continue that uh, moving forward. Wow. So you started the business during the global financial crisis. And because of the downturn, that was the reason why you went to, into rental? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it was um, everything was a downturn. There really was no construction. There was jobs coming out of the ground that were getting stopped. It seemed like every day. And we had, I think it was four or five cranes at that time. And as we just figured, oh, if we can't sell them, maybe somebody would rent it for a day or for a month and try to get some money back on it. And um, at that point, just started focusing on rentals and still do that today with the cranes. And so what was your first exposure to the business? 
Yeah. So I remember one of the first, uh, one of the first times I was ever really like doing anything with the company, with these cranes, me and my dad, we found a, a trade show, um, in the South side of Chicago that we went and we set up our crane in this booth and the guys were kind of coming by and asking questions about it. And even though I may not have known a lot about the equipment or a lot about the industry, there's one thing that I've been gifted with my entire life and it's just being able to talk to strangers. So, um, people would come to our booth and I would just start talking and I would talk to as long and as loud as I could till, till they stopped listening. And then usually my dad would kind of come by and explain some more of the technical stuff. But, um, when I started in the industry at the time I was 21 years old, I, I really didn't know anything. And I was trying to sell equipment to um, guys that were double my age, triple my age with 10 times as much experience and knowledge as me. So I was able to learn extremely quickly that I had to always try to be the smartest person in the room. So whether that meant knowing every spec about a machine, knowing every spec about our competitors machines and just trying to take every advantage I could to learn. Um, and I think that's kind of helped bring a lot of the success through the times when we were trying to figure everything out. The gift of the gab. I like that. And so if you were so fresh coming out of college that you saw it wasn't meant for you, and then you went into the business to sell rental, which you've never done before, like how did you learn to sell and, and, and work with these people that are veterans in the industry? Yeah. So the, the first thing like to, to learn how to sell it was just have to be afraid not to mess up there. There's really, I mean, yes, you can mess up, but you might say the wrong thing and it might hurt the chance of closing the deal, but you just have to take those opportunities and kind of learn from them. I would take, I would kind of take that machine and I would show it off a lot. That was the best way for me to describe it. it the one thing that I knew that I learned extremely quick was uh, if I call you up and I try to talk to you and tell you about this machine that's 24 inches wide, it's on tracks, it's propane, you can run it inside of your house and it's a crane that's gonna pick 6,000 pounds, people couldn't even grasp what, what this image was or what this thing was. So I, I would more say, look, I'm gonna be in your area. I, I have this machine, it's gonna change the world. You have five minutes, I could pull it off of my trailer, set it up and show it to you and um, get people to get their hands on it. Um, the spider crane rentals have changed a lot over the past 10 years. When those machines first came into the States, there was really no OSHA regulations on the equipment. There was um, no crane operator regulations. So it, at that point, it was kind of a wild, wild west thing. We would be able to take the cranes and just throw them on jobs very quickly and easily with um, not a lot of regulation. Um, since then, there's been a lot more regulations. So now there's a lot more training, a little bit more in, involved. Um, I think it's kind of come with the recognition of the whole mini crane market and the development of that market in the US. So if you're trying to get in front of customers as much as possible, I assume that your travel schedule's quite frantic as well. What was your schedule like in terms of traveling around the US? I've traveled a lot in my in the past couple of years. Uh, in 2019, I stayed in a hotel room almost 250 nights that year. So um, that was, uh, yes, that was when we, at that time, we were the sole importer of a piece of equipment called a smart lift. It was a glass handling machine. So uh, we were, I was really traveling around pushing that machine and trying to get that into the rental market. Um, so that was uh, a bulk of my travel. Uh, the travel part has been nice though. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the being able to, I can tell you almost the best restaurant in almost every top major city in, in the country. I could tell you a good dive bar in a lot of cities. I've met a lot of friends. Um, I can go 
about anywhere in the country and be able to call someone up, be able to meet with them right away. And, and the connections we made as I've been a lot of fun to do that. So with all that travel, I assume that's also giving you a bit of confidence, both in your work life and maybe other parts of your life as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One one thing that I've always tried to do is that I always try to find some type of common ground with somebody, um, no matter where I am. For me, uh, I usually revert to sports. Um, I'll look on a guy's wall. Maybe I'll see a Alabama thing or o Ohio State sticker or Notre Dame sticker or a pitcher and try to pick up some sports things. Um, as far as like other parts of my life where I get that extra confidence, I, I have a very unique hobby where um, I race stock cars. Um, not for a living. I wish I could tell people I did it for a living, but it's a hobby that I do all throughout the summer. So that um, doing that also kind of gives me that extra boost of confidence because I tell people in very small circles, um, I might be a celebrity. You know, it might be only a thousand person circle, but um, there's sometimes where where I get to go and people want to come up and talk to me, and and I can just talk to that stranger. So it always makes things a little bit easier. But um, as we as I've grown and learned a lot about the construction industry. I feel that I can walk into any room now, any project and be able to look at, look at the job, look at the situations, look at the, the safety precautions we need to make the, or be aware of and um, provide a good quality solution for my customer, or at least be able to provide them with an outlet that can solve their problem. Cause uh, I know there's not every time that I can do everything myself, but I try to make sure we, I keep a lot of good connections and, people in the industry to where if I can't solve a problem for you, I just want to be a bank of knowledge for you and uh, give my customers some value that way as well. Mm, yeah. And like be like the go-to guy, I guess. And just being at such a young age, it's going to add so much value as you get older as well. I saw online, I think that you had the nickname of the smart lift guy, I think it was, or smart lift Steve, some along those lines. Yeah, I, I, for the last little bit, I've been known as like smart live guy or smart live guru or smart live Steve. Um, and that's because the past four years, I've really just focused on branding the smart lifts. Um, now I try to let everyone know that I've got spider cranes and smart lifts for rent and sale and everything else. So um, I've been changing my branding a little bit on LinkedIn over the past couple of months as we've been kind of focused, trying to focus on some different parts of development throughout the co company. Yeah, and I found you through LinkedIn on social media. Have Have you always been big on on posting videos and, and content about your equipment? Because I feel like a lot of rental companies, in particular, aren't utilizing social media as much as they probably could. We always try to use technology to our to our advantage. When we first started out, there really wasn't as much social media. Um, at the time we had a lot of like Google AdWords, so we focused a lot on Google AdWords. Um, and as we, as everything progressed, um, I have a guy that I listen to a lot. You may listen to him, Gary Vanderchuk It was probably like four or five years ago when I first started listening to him a lot. And, uh, when I was listening to him, he's talking about LinkedIn. And that's when we started to bring the smart list into the U S it was like 2016 when I was doing that. And, um, he's talking about LinkedIn and doing this and, and, and being more socially active for the business. Um, I, I had my racing at the time that I was very socially active in racing, but it was never something that I thought about um, using social to social to pr promote a business. It was something I just did for fun. So I had, um, I've got a Facebook page. You can still look it up. It's called Juan the Racing Giraffe. He's um, a made up guy that I made up a couple of years ago. He has like 3000 friends on Facebook and 
I had like a good little like interaction thing going with that. I also have um, my racing, my racing Facebook page. that has got like a 6,000 person audience that I had some really good interaction with that. So I took some things that I knew that worked um, with, with the, the social like media advertising that wasn't trying to advertise and said, what if I use this as a business mindset? Um, when I started do, doing that on LinkedIn and making, trying to make myself um, known, uh, I have a theory. You can't do business with me unless you know who I am. So um, I have a goal of trying to meet everybody possible in the construction industry. Something I know that will never really be able to happen. But if um, if you know me, then you can flow me. So, And I guess like the more you build up that personal brand, when you go on job sites and people recognize you or people see what trade shows is you've got that respect, I guess, of your peers, even if it's just in a point of, of you giving back through video content and sharing information. Is that something you've found in the last couple of years when you've been using LinkedIn and other social media platforms more and more? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I've, I've been able to do some things where we've gone to some trade shows and, um, whatnot over the past couple of years and customers will come up to me guys will come up to me that i may not i may not actually really know who they are but they're following me on social and they're like oh i see you all the time or i want to do business with you here or let's do this or i saw another project where you helped out a customer that i got something very similar to that coming up and um yeah the 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 social side has been a huge uh boost to our business um absolutely it's um so we try to focus on to, to get better at and to provide better content and um, things that are going to be able to also add value to the customers and not just a, a sales pitch. So that's why I, I try to be unique. Um, and I, I try to use some of my personality when I, when I do make the videos, even though, yes, I'm always trying to sell you, but I'm also going to try to give you some information or a unique tip or knowledge about the product too when, when we're doing those type of videos. But I would guess with the spider crane in particular, it's not just to sell in terms of the rental or maybe you're selling the equipment. It's, it's more of a solution sell because you're typically trying to get that spider crane into a small location to help lift some item. And it the, the people are going to be calling you with questions on how you can solve their problem. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And in the, in the construction business, there's um there's no, there's no two jobs that ever seem to be the same. So it's always going to be a little bit different. There's always going to be a unique challenge on every project. But um, the nice thing is, is now I have 10 years of experience, which isn't a lot, but it's still, I've been able to see a lot of different projects and a lot of different solutions. So um, I'm probably going to have a good idea of, of how we can solve that problem for you. And if I don't, I have a really good team around me that, that can help me together. We're definitely going to be able to solve those issues. Yeah, so let's talk about that team for a little bit. So so where exactly is Great Lakes Lifting Solutions and what are the products and services that you provide? Yep, so Great Lakes Lifting Solutions is located um, on the south side of Chicago. We provide niche lifting solutions for primarily the Great Lakes area. Uh, there's Indiana, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio, um, Kentucky, Tennessee, with, uh, many, many, uh, Minnesota kind of right around the Great Lakes area. Um, and the products that, that we provide are spider cranes, smart lifts, and Woods Power Grip rentals and sales. We're also um, expanding right now where we're looking to expand out maybe down in Texas, maybe in Florida, trying to look at a couple of different options right now to where we want to, um, 
where, where are we already have some existing customer base and to be able to provide those products in some different other lo different locations as well. Okay, and so what caught my attention with your video was the spider crane. So it'd be good to delve into that a little bit. So maybe explain what exactly is the spider crane? Yep. So the spider cranes, there's um, there's going to be like six main different models. We have a, an 094 model, which is the smallest 100% uh, battery powered model. That's uh, going to have a lift capacity of like 2,500 pounds, 20 foot of reach out on it. Um, that one, we have a lot of times we're using it like in food service industries, um, maybe hospital work, places where you just have to have that 100% battery, no no gas power engine. Um, the most popular spider crane model is called the 295. That is um, That was the original machine that came to the States. Um, the, the spider cranes are manufactured in Japan. The manufacturing company is called Unic, is the company that manufactures them. They... Uh, the 295, that one has 52 different positions that you could set up the outrigger legs. You could place it flat up against a wall. You can um, work, run it inside. It has options to be uh, battery powered. It has options to be on propane. So there's a couple of different uh, engine options on that. Where we where we have a lot of use for it in the glazing industry, we use it set set a lot of curtain walls, set some canopy glass in the steel and iron worker industry we're doing setting stairs miscellaneous iron setting balconies maybe getting in a backyard where you can't get a big crane um, a lot of times you see these job sites where they may have to use a 300 ton or a 100 ton crane just be um, just because they don't, they need the reach they may have to lift over a house they have to lift over an obstacle um, to get to the back side of it where the spider cranes um, have such great use and save the customer so much money is their the ability to navigate different areas and to get to places where no other crane could ever get to. So say you have a project with a roof on it and you may have to try to use a chain fall. Now you can use a full crane inside. So there's um, a huge cost savings for the end user when they're utilizing this equipment. Um, you know, a 300 ton crane may cost you $10,000 for a day. A spider crane rental to do the same job could cost you less than a thousand dollars a day. So, um, yeah, it's, and then we have some larger models as well that go up to 70 foot of reach that has, they have, those ones have to get through a double door. Um, and it has a 13,000 pound lift capacity. So when you're, when you think of the spider crane is you always think of, yes, it's a very small compact deal, but the lifting capacity behind it is absolutely incredible. You know, the machine, it weighs, uh, the 295 weighs 4,200 pounds and it could pick 6,000 pounds. So it's picking more than it weighs. It um, It's light enough where you can get it onto a lot of floors, put it in an elevator skip on a, on a high rise project and really just um, be able to use a crane about anywhere. You know, I'm in a office right now that's a, I think it's a 10 by 12 room and I could set the machine up in here if I needed to. So. Um, the cranes work great when uh, when you when you need to lift something and you just might not have the room that you usually need. And I assume when you set it up on a job site for the first time or someone hasn't seen the spider crane before, you must get some pretty interesting reactions. Yeah, and uh, the crazy thing is, is I've been doing this now for 10 years and I still get the same reaction today that I did 10 years ago. The equipment, even though I like to believe that it's it's out there and well-known, it's still somewhat in its infant stages um, here in the U.S. There's a lot of projects, a lot of contractors, um, 
guys in the industry that does that don't even know that it exists yet. So um, at a trade show, I'll have I'll have two machines at a trade show. I'll have one machine that's set up with the outrigger legs all spread out, and I'll have the boom all the way up in the air. And then right next to it, I have another crane that's totally folded up and collapsed. And uh, I'll get done. I'll I'll show. Uh, we have this is the spider crane. These here's go through some demonstration things. And the guy's like, all right, great. That's a cool crane. Now, what's this one right next to it? And even though it's the same model, they can't even grasp that. It can fold up into the size that it does to be able to, to, to get onto the job. So it's, uh, yeah, I have a lot of times guys dropping their jaws drop. I got to help them pick them back up or something like that, you know. And uh, uh, most people are, are very, very impressed with the machine when they first see them. I feel like you've got a really good opportunity here. Like if you documented more of your site visits on you setting up equipment and then use that content online, I feel like you could really make a pretty big impact on social media because I, I just don't think that many people in construction really document the, the machines they use, how they use them, how they can solve problems, all that sort of stuff. There's a few people out there, but there's not many. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. That's um, a video contents. Like if you saw my board, that's on the other side of the room right now. I have a circle around that of some something that we're should need to focus on more to get m more videos out there of the equipment in action. I, yeah, guys, that I was actually telling one of our manufacturers the other day. It's comical you say that. I, I told him I say I was um, I was looking to buy a toaster. I think a toaster oven or like a, a a ninja air fryer thing the other day online for my wife for Christmas. And before I did that, the first thing I do is I go on YouTube and I'm going to look at the videos and see all how it operates. And then I look at our equipment sometimes and I'm like, oh, guys probably want to do that too when they want to buy our equipment or any other equipment in the industry. And um, I think in the construction, probably in the construction side altogether, um, the amount of video content, quality video content that's out there is absolutely lagging and could be better and more informative for everybody. And I guess because you had the machine at such the early stage, I think you said there were only eight in the US when you first got into the market, you would have seen the spider cranes evolve over time, I assume. I had I had generation one, absolutely. Um, like the very first spiders that come to the US, we had we had them. I actually still have one in my in my rental fleet today. It's a one that we got in 2008 and it's still running just as good as it was when we got it. But there has been... Um, there's been a lot, the, um, the evolution of the machines has somewhat come from the new standards that OSHA has put into place. So um, OSHA has put one standard in place in the, in the US. If a crane lifts over 2000 pounds, it has to have a certified crane operator on it. Um, since they've done that, uh, Unic has now manufactured a machine that picks um, 1,990 pounds. So that way you don't have to have a crane operator, um, a certified crane operator operating that. That'd be like the 095. So um, that's that's been a little bit of a change. The early models, when they first came over, they they only had a gas propane option. The, now now most every model comes with a with a propane, a propane or gas option. Um, then they put in some battery powered models, and then the the machines have also gotten bigger too as time's gone on. Um, originally they're the biggest besides the 295, the next size up machine used to only be the 376. Now there's two models up after that. We have a 547, which is like 11,000 pound max lift machine. And then the 706 we talked about earlier. So 
there's def and then also in some of the computer um on board um uh what i'm mind blanking on the word uh you're thinking of telematics yeah, telematics uh, LMI is uh, yeah the low the low monitoring system. The LMIs have changed a little bit too. The telematics on the machines are absolutely great. That's as a guy that rents out the equipment. The one of the things I love most about renting a spotter crane is the fact that I know, for the most part, um, if I get a service call on it, it's because um, usually a user error, as in setting it up where maybe they didn't follow the process right. Um, or it's something that can be solved over the phone. It has a, it's like one through 100 numbers of uh, problems that the machine can have. And if it pops up one of those codes, um, if a customer gives me that code over the phone, I can usually solve the issue right over the phone. Sometimes, yes, we have to send a tech to the site, but there's a lot of things that you can do and, and self-diagnose them. And it's what helps us out a lot being um, only having one location, but renting the machines out over a large geographic area. Um, the reliability of the equipment uh, that we rent makes a huge difference of that. It makes it possible for us to be able to rent that over the geographic area. And because they're so unique in terms of the machines, do you guys provide training on how to utilize the machine if, if they are going to have their own operators? Like, How does that side work? We provide a familiarization um, for the equipment. Um, and then there's third party, um, like almost like a regulated course that, uh, most of the, most of the customers are sending their guys through. It's the qualification that they have to have would be the same qualification. If the crane operator could operate a 40 ton crane and have the license for that, it would be the same for the spider crane. And then a lot of times what it comes down to is just a unique process of setting it up and a couple of the unique safety features. So when we're delivering those machines um, to those certified um, operators, we're showing them some of the uniqueness um, of how to operate that spider crane or how to set that up at that point in time. Okay. And so obviously you've been in the industry for 10 years now, just over 10 years. How have you seen the industry change in that time? You know, it's um, to me, I, I stay out of the, the everyday rental equipment stuff. So I, I don't really know much about aerial equipment or um, scissor lifts, things like that, like the bread and butter of what everybody does, because um, I kind of feel like you could be a Ford dealership and you have to have someone on every quarter, or you could be a Rolls Royce dealership and you can have one, one outlet for like a larger region. So we kind of like have that Rolls Royce model and have equipment that is uh more specific to the industry uh, or more specific to uh, certain parts of the industry. The thing that I've kind of noticed in the little, last little bit is some of your larger um, rental companies are starting to put a little more focus on an, on niche equipment, I think. Um, so that's probably changed some in, in the past, over the past couple of years. And then one of the biggest things too, is probably just the consolidation of the rental market in general in the U S um, there, if, if you're doing it right, you probably got a chance to get bought out, you know, is what it seems like. So just need to make sure I'm doing it right. So hopefully the right people see us and want to write us a check one day. Well, maybe somebody listening to this podcast might be working at one of those companies and they might start getting some ideas about your business. So you mentioned trade shows that you stand there and talk underwater, basically. What are some of the trade shows that you typically attend? Because it seems like your your products are very niche. Like, are you attending things like the ARA, or is it more of the the smaller trade shows or more end user specific? 
So um, the the ARA, I, I actually have never, I went and walked that show one time. I tried to get some of our equipment into it uh, before in the past and it was sold out. So we weren't able to do that. Um, most of the trade shows that we're, that I've focused on are more um, trade trade shows, uh, like end user type stuff, because I haven't, I haven't focused um, too much on selling equipment to the rental industry, more focused on renting the equipment to the end user. So um, we'll go to uh, a local trade association. Like in Chicago, we have a thing called ASA. It's the Association of Subcon uh, Allied Association of Subcontractors. Um, we do a lot of stuff with the National Glass Association um, and things like that. Those are like uh, Texas Glass Association, Connecticut Glass Association. Focus a lot on the, the glazing contractors because uh, our equipment works well. All of our equipment rents to them very well. Yeah, okay. And like, I guess as you've got older, you would have learned more about the equipment rental industry and about yourself personally and other things in your life. Like if you could go back and give yourself, your younger self, some advice, what would you say? It, some hard lessons that I've learned. Um, first one that I learned was like, I was probably 18 or 19 when I learned it. It was when you have an opportunity to make money, take the opportunity to make the money. You can always go out and have fun later. So um, I, I was like 18 years old and I was doing a scrap uh, scrap thing on the side where I was working less than 20 hours a week and making over $3,000 a week cash. So it, it was um, something that was like really good, but then uh, scrap kind of dropped down and I, then I had to work a lot harder. So I learned that lesson easy um, early on in life. The other thing that I think I probably tell my younger self is um, always say yes. I, I like to put myself in a lot of different, op like I'm not, I like to put myself in situations that may be uncomfortable. Uh, maybe it's something that you may not want to do, but if you get an opportunity to do something, I've learned that if you show up and do it, uh, you'll never know what's going to be around the corner. So um, there's a lot of times that uh there's been a lot of different situations that I've been been into places. I've got into got onto job sites, met customers. Um, you know, I, I think I sold my I sold the um, Rolls Royce man, uh, manufacturing company in Ohio. They built where they built the jet engines. I sold them a sixty thousand dollar crane when I was twenty two years old. I didn't know nothing because I was willing to go there and put myself like in that in that uh, in the opportunity, give myself the opportunity to be able to be successful. So I've learned that. A lot of the time that a lot of times that comes just by saying yes. Yeah, I like that. And it's almost a mindset of being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you um, if you're always if you're always comfortable, you're probably you're probably not going not going to put not going to at least give yourself the best opportunity to succeed, you know, and I guess another way to kind of say to just be my biggest fear is just to be average. I don't want to be an average person. You know, so I want to be something, something more than average. So that kind of drives me as well. Yeah, well, I think you've, you've got to have drive if you're going to be on the road 250 nights of the year. Yeah. So like when we were talking about earlier, where, where I traveled 250 nights and stayed in hotel rooms, um, I've learned there's a, I can tell myself I have to do this or I get to do this, you know? So that have to is, is the work. It's like, yeah, I have to go do this tomorrow or oh man, I have to go do something. Maybe you really don't want to do. Instead, I look at it like I get to do this. I get to travel to Florida to go sell this customer. I get to go do this. I get to go do that. And um, by looking at it that way, 
makes sometimes it's kind of like having like that positive, positive mental attitude that I hate negativity. Uh, so I, I, I try to just be positive on things and look at it the best way um, that, that you can. There's, there's plenty of suck. I mean, I, in everything that I do, but um, you know, whether it's the 10,000 miles that you drive, the late nights, the early mornings, the time away from family, the events that you miss, you know, those are all, yeah, they, they're, they're things that's part of life. The same point, what else did you get to do because, because you've done those things. So it just works out. It works out for me, at least I know it don't work for everybody, but it works for me. And so look, I like to ask everyone this question. How do you define success? That's a tough one. Um, to me, I have success when my, when my customers succeed. So it's not always so much about a dollar thing. It's more like, um, I said, like, I have some companies that I really want to try to do business with. So I kind of set them out as targets. Um, also when, when the whole team, the whole team succeeds. So if we can all, if, if we can all meet our goals and everyone kind of keeps moving forward, um, that's success for us. Like our success just is based off of our customer success. So if my customers are successful, uh, we've been successful. I, I could rent and sell. If I sell somebody something that doesn't work out for them, that's a complete failure for me. So that's probably my biggest thing to try to make sure my customers are successful. And if they are, then I know that I will be at the end. Yeah, always having the customer at front of mind when you're in sales or service is always going to be a key to an element of success. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, um, I, I've had some customers tell me that have been halfway across the country and uh, they may have a problem with one of our machines and I'll have somebody there the next day. Like I have a, I can tell you, there's a customer I had down in Orlando, Florida. He called me up, um, called me up on a, I think it was a Thursday afternoon. He was having a problem with the equipment. I don't have a shop in Florida. It's 1400 miles away. I had a guy on a flight. We were there the next morning. We had his machine up and running by one o'clock in the afternoon. The next day, my guy's flying back home. Everybody's happy. And he sends me an email back and he says, Steve, I'm not sure how your, your service is faster than the guy that's two miles away from me. And, um, it's just to have that mentality. Like the nice thing is, is, um, my dad, who's our owner, he, uh, he also owned a construction company for 30 plus years. So, uh, he knows the expense that there is involved when you have guys sitting on a job site that are not doing nothing because a piece of equipment that the customers rented from you is broke down. So um, we take that very seriously and, you know, not saying we're perfect. Um, nobody is. And I mean, I believe no one is perfect, but uh, we try to strive to, to be as good as we possibly can. And when we do mess up um, to fix it as fast as humanly possible. That's awesome. All right, Stephen, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Uh, I had fun. Please share, like, follow the Rental Journal podcast, and I'll see everyone in next week's episode.